As the new year unfolds, make it a year of comfort and indulgence with Minky Couture. Wrap yourself in the lap of luxury with our exquisite blankets. Picture the cozy moments, the warmth of our premium materials, and the stylish designs that define Minky Couture. Welcome the new year with the ultimate in comfort and sophistication. January is your month to embrace luxury. Visit MinkyCouture.com or your nearest store today. Elevate your comfort, elevate your style with Minky Couture. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Fast to back to open the voice gate for december 21st 2020 we are members of the voices of wrestling podcast network you can find us on the voices of wrestling feed or you can find us on our own dedicated feed on all podcast platforms and applications you can follow us on twitter at open voice if you'd like to donate to the show just click the link in the show notes it'll take you to our red circle page you click on the red button this is sponsor this podcast you can do a one-time or reoccurring donation no obligation whatsoever, but I would like to thank our previous donors for their support. I am one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. Joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, Case Lowe. In Case, we're here to talk about the final gate of 2020. And boy, was it a show for the ages and one of the ones that I keep on coming back to thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. But Dragon Gate further cementing that their well-deserved award being the top promotion of 2020 i would have to say uh how are you feeling and how do you feel about like everything coming out of this big show i somehow am leaving this show more excited than i was coming in i talked last week about how less unless there was a catastrophic failure with final gate and with the kobe sambo hall show that's coming up this sunday that there's no way i wouldn't enter 2021 being excited about the state of affairs in dragon gate and the fact that they blew away my super high expectations on final gate just i i i don't see an argument for any other promotion for promotion of the year if you want to talk about the observer awards you know, for as much as I've liked All Elite Wrestling, obviously, you know, you watch it even closer than I do, but I, I watch it, you know, almost every week and have all year. I've enjoyed some Noah stuff. I've enjoyed some DDT stuff. I, I've enjoyed some New Japan stuff, most of it pre-pandemic, but in terms of the best promotion of the year, I just don't think there's anything close. And I think Final Gate, with the exception of one of the dome shows, which is, I, I, I think I probably like the fifth a little bit better than the fourth from New Japan. I don't even see an argument for show of the year. I think this was better than Dangerous Gate, which was my Dragon Gate show of the year going into this. And I, unless you can think of something, I don't think AEW had a show top to bottom that was better than this this year. I mean, the one that I would come back to 
is for AEW is either Revolution when John Moxley won, you had the Bucks versus Hangman and Page, and then also Pack versus Orange Cassidy. I can't think of anything like that. And you know, I just like look at things and I look at what Dragon Gate is able to achieve this year with if we're playing like a sports game case we're playing on hall of fame mode in 2020 if you're going to be playing the version of total extreme warfare you're you're turning up to the highest the highest difficulty here dragon gate has gone on and with the exception of new japan who has run the budokan and has run jingu stadium no one else in the world has drawn like dragon gate has and while doing that no one has put together not only the best ring work in the world in 2020 and stuff that i don't other than like obvious like crowd calls does not really make me think of oh this is the era we're in whereas other promotions especially american promotions you can't help about it like and especially during one moment in one of these matches you could have you could have put this on in the middle of osaka number two because of how hot fukuoka was yeah no Gate has excelled in this Hall of Fame difficulty setting, as you put it. And we knew that from the first empty arena show they did on March 22nd, where they had the wrestlers around ringside as essentially fans. And it was like, oh, oh, they're doing something different. They kind of get this. And, and the, the show in April wasn't quite the same because that show was a little bit more just depressing than the March show was. The March show was like, hey, we'll do this. It'll be fun. The April show was like, oh, it's going to be like this for a minute. And then they went to Lapis Hall for the May and June Rainbow Gate shows, and and those were fine. They were kind of exhausting by the end of it, but you had some good stuff there. But once fans returned in July in Japan, as soon as Dragon Gate hit the ground in Kyoto on July 4th, they have not missed a beat from a, a booking perspective, which we've talked about ad nauseum, but the presentation of things, it's just, it's such a level above Obviously, what WWE is doing, you know, I think Ring of Honor has been okay, but I, I don't think they're in the same universe as what Dragon Gate is doing. AEW, it, what they do works for them. I'm used to it more so than I like it, but I'm used to their presentation. Noah's had some moments where their crowds really feel invested in New Japan. You know, they have their moments. I thought the Super Junior Finals was pretty heated. Okada versus Shingo in the G1 was a really hot crowd. But people keep on twisting themselves into a knot trying to sell me on this idea that their main event programs are over and that these guys are are, are going to come out of the pandemic better than the way they came in. And I just don't buy that at all. I, I think it's an outright lie in some cases. Whereas a guy like Hip Hop Kakuta, who we'll talk about in a little bit, as I mentioned in my review over at VoicesOfWrestling.com, he has not wrestled a proper match in front of a proper crowd. He debuted in the empty arena and has since been wrestling in front of these clap capacity crowds. And anyone with a clue, anyone with a brain that understands wrestling knows that this guy is over. And that is a monumental feat. I mean, that's something that hopefully will never be duplicated because we won't be put in these circumstances. But while we're living in this era, the fact that Drangate is continuing to soar, you know, I I don't really want to talk about attendance numbers, but they did sell out Cork and Hall to its maximum capacity last week. And at least on the Western front, Mike, I don't know about you, but I am seeing a ton of uptick in coverage of Drangate. Uh, you know, starting in, in roughly September, I think most people picked up on like, oh, this is a hot promotion again. But over the past month from Kobe World through now, 
it feels like Drangate uh, approaching 2015 levels of like, hey, you guys have to watch this promotion if you want to have your finger on the pulse. No, and I, you're absolutely right about it. Like, I've noticed this. It's not nearly coming close to how fan, uh, Western fan and international fan engagement was in the uh, post-2006 uh, WrestleMania era. But it's coming close to how things felt like at least in like 2015, I would say that's fair. And to touch on the Cork and Hall point, I know that I mentioned last week I wasn't certain about this. That's the highest attendance out of anyone in Cork and Hall this year in the in the pandemic era. That's huge. And you like look at the show, and we and we talk about Western engagement here. We might have three people who are under the age of 21 who have a five star Dave Meltzer match coming out this weekend. And it's completely warranted. And it's an incredible thing. Uh, attendance, 1855. Uh, it will be on the network through the 7th. The English copy is not up yet. There was a technical uh, difficulty when they were in Fukuoka. So sadly, there's no live uh, recording. It seems like that they're going to be recording it in post and then posting it whenever they get the chance. And, you know, we kind of have to talk about the big topic here. Which is funny because that can mean a few different things, but I, I, I know what you're about to bring up, but this was such a packed show that the big topic could be a few different things. Right, yeah, yeah. And the reason why I say this is a big topic is, you know, in this day and age, it wasn't necessarily that we first saw, okay, Dragon Gate, Final Gate 2020 results. What we saw was updates about Benkei. So I, I think the best way to talk about the show anyway is going to be talk, talking main event down to begin with. They opened the Dreamgate Championship match was Shun Skywalker of Masquerade defending against Benkei of the Dragon Gate Generation. Shun Skywalker won in 24 minutes and 35 seconds with a Skywalker moonsault making his first successful defense. But that's not the story of this match case. The story of this match was in what was, I think both of us can clearly say, in the closing stretch of this match as it was looking like it was about to get like to one more near fall than the SSW. Uh, during a spear attempt by Benkei, Shun Skywalker countered it with a rolling elbow it caught him right on the button Benkei was knocked out he was already in full motion and hit two of the standing knee salts and then the skywalker moonsault uh Benkei was still knocked out it didn't it did not look like anything came close to contacting his head after the after the fact he was unconscious they went down for a three count yagi pulled up at three thinking oh this is just a messed up finish he did not call it as a shoot uh, Shun Skywalker tried to lift him up for the SSW or the Ashla. Probably was the SSW. Uh, Benkei was not able to get up. Then he quickly went to the top rope for a second moonsault, and this time they counted as three. Immediately after the match, everyone hit the ring, including uh, people from Masquerade, Dragon Daya, undoing the ropes. They got they first tried to get him onto a table. Then they had a gurney to carry him outside of the arena. Yeah, so there's a lot to unpack here. I say this as somebody that was watching the show live, watched this as it happened, whereas Mike watched it the next morning, and I believe you remained unspoiled. Did you know about this prior to watching it? I did not have anyone contact me. I did notice when I was trying to avoid things, it was like something happened in the main event. I knew something happened, but that was it. Okay, so watching this live... And, you know, I, I, you know, at this point, I'm very tired, but I'm still diligently taking notes and I'm very much focused on this match. I did not realize there was an issue until Ben K didn't kick out of the first moonsault. 
Now there, right. there, there's two ways uh, of tackling this, and I, I want to talk about that one first. Of this idea from people that watched the GIF of Skywalker hitting the elbow, that go, well, you know, how do you not know he's knocked out? His, you know, he, he looks unresponsive. Look at his arms, which are all valid things when you're looking for somebody to be knocked out, but. In the moment, in a professional wrestling match where your job is to act like you are hurt, I really don't think that theory holds any weight. And this is unfortunately mostly directed. Mike, I made a mistake yesterday. I logged on to Reddit to uh, to see what people were saying about this spot. And you'd be shocked to learn uh, people had some horrible takes about what happened in the finish of this main event. So watching live, I did not realize that Ben K was injured or knocked out or whatever happened until the first uh, pin count where Yagi pulled up and Ben K did not kick out. And then from there, you have Skywalker trying to pick this guy up, trying to pick this guy up. Now, I will say that second moonsault, I was really concerned when Skywalker took off that he was going to drive his kneecap straight into Ben K's head. And luckily, he avoided it. But that angle that Ben K was at was not ideal for hitting a moonsault, but Skywalker is such a talented flyer that he was able to make it work out. So... There's that aspect of it. Before we talk about Ben K now, and he's fine, and he's okay, and and he'll be okay, this idea that referee Yagi made a mistake even, I think is a little bit preposterous when you think about the Dragon Gate mentality. And, and I'll explain why, because there were some, uh, Mike, you'll love this, some Memphis referees talking about on Reddit how you need to call everything like a shoot, to protect the business and to prevent things like this from happening, yada, yada, yada. Uh, that is great for your Memphis yarders and your walking brawlers and, and whatever else. But from talking to people who have gone through Dragon Gate Dojo training, the one thing that they have all emphasized to me is this idea in Dragon Gate of perfection. And this idea that if you mess up and the crowd doesn't notice, but you, you your opponent notices... That is unacceptable. We do not tolerate mistakes in this company. We are a well-oiled machine, and we are, you know, a machine. And things have to work perfectly for us to do our jobs. So in defense of Yagi, under the Drangate mentality, there is no reason to expect that something went wrong until something goes wrong. And I know yeah. that is different from the way they teach it in the West, especially the way they teach it in WWE, where referees are supposed to call it like a shoot. I don't know the New Japan policy, just because I don't remember the last time something like this happened. But honestly, if Red Shoes pulled up on a three count, I wouldn't be shocked. It seems like something they would also uh, have a little bit more faith in their workers to to have them kick out and then to deal with the consequences if they don't. But specifically in the context of Drangate, any sort of of pushing of this Western idea of calling it like a shoot, of always counting the three it doesn't hold any weight from my understanding of what is preached in Drangate. So yeah, it would have been great had Yagi counted the three, because had Yagi counted the three after that first moonsault, I think we are now looking at a legitimately great match with an amazing jaw-dropping finish. But we didn't get that. But I also, it's no one's fault. This is just a situation that happened in the fact that this is the discourse coming out of this show, not the five-star match that we're just about to talk about, is a little bit annoying. I get it. You know, the safety police loves to come out. I, I love hearing about how wrestling is too dangerous and how 
oh, those Dragon Gate guys, you know, their bodies aren't going to last forever. Cut to Genki Horiguchi wrestling literally every single month since January of 1999. That theory doesn't hold any weight either. So it, it, it's just a context thing. It's understanding the promotion you're watching and understand why they do things the way they do. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm largely on board of with what you're saying, and I was not surprised. Uh, a couple things that some of it is criticism and some of it is just understanding that I think that newer fans and for people who are parachuting in who might not have, who are sincere in their takes of, oh, that should have been safe or, oh, that's Yagi's fault. There's something else to do with this. Case, you've been watching Binkei since he debuted. How many times has Binkei done a what's called a that he sold he was like passed out or dead or unconscious in a match. You know, it, it's funny. I saw a lot of people saying that too, and it's not that Ben K doesn't do that, but it, it was that that has been the counter of like, oh well, this guy essentially plays dead, and that's not something that I was thinking in the moment again because if you're if you're looking for a guy getting knocked out, you typically look at his arms, and it just so happened that Ben K's arms were doing the. I'm knocked out type thing uh, where they kind of curl over on themselves. But yeah, in the moment, I thought it was just a great sell because, you know, Ben K typically gets that spear counter with a knee to the face and he never has any issues. It just so happens that this time around, he took an elbow in the point of Skywalker's elbow, caught him in the temple. Yeah. And that's the thing is that I remember the match that he won the Dreamgate at, at Kobe World last year after Pac hit the top rope tombstone and Pac hit the black arrow, that's how he sold it. And he would do the, the, the Masato Yoshino gasp, uh, kick out there. And, and the moment like that, and then like that. So, so then it's one of those things that you could have gone like, oh, okay for, for that. And that's why it was not like, that's why I could see why Yagi was like reacting that way and, and called it like he did. The thing that I think that, Dragon Gate, and I know Alan brought this up on Twitter today. Dragon Gate is a wrestling collective, from my understanding of it. And in case if I'm wrong about that, feel free to correct me. But they are basically a traveling troupe in a lot of ways. So that's why Dragon Daya jumped and immediately undid the ropes because that's what he was. That's what he does. He puts together the ring. That's one of the things that is one of his duties. The company puts together the ring. Like there's always the stories about the young bucks in japan when the ring broke down and then the crowd the the roster was like oh yeah no we're not canceling we're just gonna go do this and that's part of it so the fact that it did not surprise me and you also if someone was wondering like you saw all the roster members bring out the uh that they got him on the stretcher who's the other man on the roster i was with them that's president keto he's known ben since ben came in the company so people were on the scene but the one thing that needs to happen and one thing that i'm was kind of surprised not to see, and it could have been such a spur moment thing, was in, in today's day and age, I know you're a traveling troop, I know you're like this, you really have to have a medic. You really should. And that's something that I hope that the office either has a protocol, because I feel like that they have a pretty clear protocol about a lot of things, but having it be that the wrestlers are taking him out with that after someone's knocked out, I know it's cultural differences. I know that it's also a collaborative thing that they are a wrestling collective. There are a co-op in a lot of different ways. So of course this happens. You just have to have a medic. It's just one of those things that I feel like that nowadays you kind of have to do, even if it seems like it's one of those things since everyone else does all the physical care and does all that you still do. Like that was like my one big negative there. 
I would say. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I'm just now seeing Alan's tweets about it. I missed them when he tweeted them out during the day, at Alan4L if you want to see those. And I think that's entirely fair. I, I really do. And, and it's you know one of those things, I don't know the inner workings of the company, so it's it's tough for me to criticize uh, just because I, I, I don't know. I, I know that Keto was out there, which shows two things. I think one, uh, that Keto cares about his guys and that, that two, it was a big deal because he decided to remove himself from the backstage area. And for as much as I hate to Zapruder this situation and perhaps throw yeah. false claim on guys, I, I will say Dragon Daya in particular seemed to be really on top of things. And had they had a doctor at, you know, either ringside or backstage that would, you know, he could come out easily after the match. I, I think the situation perhaps would have been a little less dramatic than it was because you had the roster, you know, from a very human element taking care of what they could. The issue is that there was a medical element that, you know, I don't know of a Dr. Dragongate. I don't know if anybody on the roster has their doctorate. So that is where you start to run into some trouble there. But, you know, it's a situation that happened. It's a freak accident. Mike, I don't remember something like this ever happening in Drangate or Toriumon from what I've seen. Can you think of another instance like this? Yamamura. That, well, yes. In, in Yamamura is one of those where that is an entirely... I don't want to say a different... different yeah, because what was Yamamura's first injury? Do you remember? It was the same cervical uh, concussion, but it came off of... He was in the ring with uh, Yoshida at the time, and it was off a bump. He, he took a bump and it dislocated. I think it was off of a Fire Thunder driver, maybe? Possibly, because I you know, I think of like the three big in-ring injuries in Drangate, and forgetting the Yamura incident, I was thinking of this Ben K one. I was thinking of Yoshino obviously breaking his mm-hmm. neck on the power bomb. And which is, you know, it's everybody, everybody does a powerbomb in, in 2017 when that was, and everybody does a powerbomb in 2020. So that's not like that dangerous of a move. And then the other one I was thinking of was Yosuke Santa Maria, who destroyed her leg on a springboard drop oh, kick right. a few years yeah. ago. So it, it just, I, I, I haven't seen a lot of it. But there is that false narrative that Drangate is this horribly dangerous promotion and they're all shortening their careers <laughs> despite evidence literally pointing towards the contrary. Um, Saki Mochizuki turns 51 next month. He's doing all right. So The semi-main event had, <laughs> two pe- had people that had a combined experience of over a century. So I think they're doing all right. This is just a, it's, you know, it was another freak accident. Again, this was not, not a pile driver off the top rope. This was not a chair shot to the head. This was an elbow gone wrong. Yeah, and a, a couple things before we move on to like this. Um, it, it's something that concussions are a serious thing. Uh, Benke has had concussions before. It, that is something that should be considered with him. He had at least two in his rookie year that pulled him off from time. So he's someone that, I mean, and he wrestled collegiately. So he's someone that has had these kind of things. I do know, and I'm going to use therapy words here. I do know that. The roster stuck with him all through the night, and they we pretty much before like the official thing like like it was word was going around that it was okay, no fractures, no uh, contusions or anything. It's just a concussion. So he is is something that you know it's just you you have to worry about someone who's had that. But I he bounced back from his one from his doing his rookie year just fine. He was at least or someone put out a tweet saying that he's recovering um they have not announced this uh he will be off shows for the rest of this year i can say that for certain 
I know he'll be off shows. There's only one more televised show for the year, and then they will be on holiday until the 9th. So he, he's at least going to be out of action for two weeks. They might wait to see. I don't know if they do. Like, I, I'd be interested to see, like, coming out of this, if there are going to be certain things they talk about post-concussion testing, because I'll be interested in that. But Yeah, it ultimately seems like he's going to be okay, which is the important part. And, and obviously, I don't right, want to speculate absolutely. you know, too far in that direction that maybe there's a complication. We have to walk that back. But yes, we heard from a reliable source that Ben K is off shows for the remainder of the year. I heard from someone shortly after the show ended that uh, I, I trust as a source that was saying, you know, Ben K is being taken to the hospital, but I'm hearing he's fine. You know, it's it's, it's going to be okay. It's obviously a bad injury, but it's, it's not the end of the world because... You know, just uh, again, the chaos of that situation, and this is where I think having a doctor on scene and not relying on, as as Alan put it, KZ for medical attention, I think perhaps would have eased some nerves, but it, it was a pretty scary scene watching live. I mean, it, it was something that I haven't seen to this magnitude in Drangate, and it was also... I, I, I don't think I'm being too uh, falsely artistic or poetic in saying this, but coming off the intense emotion of the prior match, we were dealing with heightened emotions and, and even, you know, watching live from my bedroom in Indiana to this show in Fukuoka, you know, I, I had some adrenaline pumping after that semi-main event into a main event that unfortunately it, it, it almost feels impossible to discuss as a match, but it was a really good match prior to the finish. And so I think just all of that mixed in had people fearing for the worst in a way. And, and, Again, it's, you know, it, it's Drangate. This stuff just doesn't happen because you, you, you don't see botches, let alone accidental knockouts in this promotion. But, you know, it's, it seems like things are going to be okay, so I can live with that. Yeah, um, one more thing to keep in mind, at least for international fans. If Ben's out of the clear, they're going to use this as stuff. This will be something that throughout the remainder of the career, they will show this shot, probably. So I, it's, it's funny you said that I wanted to ask you about this because... Uh, well, I we, think it's going to become a secondary finisher for Shin. Okay, so I I wasn't I wasn't sure because I know there's a thing, uh, I- at least you know my understanding of the of the native fan base is you know they they, they like their storylines, but every once in a while something will get, for lack of a better term, a little bit too real for them. And I I was talking to somebody earlier this week who was you know adamant that Shun needs to reference this knockout. He needs to use that elbow as a finish. This needs to be the direction of his character. And I told him, I was like, I just, you know, I, I, I don't know if that's Drangate. I think that makes sense. And I think if this was any company in America or even New Japan, that they would use this and they would exploit it in a sense. But I, I wasn't, I, I, I can't tell with Drangate if that's the direction they want to go. I, I guess the evidence that points in your favor is the muscular bomb and Doi becoming Mr. Oda Ward City Gymnasium. And if you think it's a situation similar to that, then then yeah, I think we're going to see a lot more of this elbow. And I think we're going to see this this incident referenced a whole lot more. Yeah, and, and, and it's one of those things that because of the muscular bombs, why well, I think it's going to happen. You're absolutely right. Sometimes... And the, the the promotion will react to things going a little too close to home, but I just they're they're going to have these matches for the remainder of their career. They're now, as I said, they're, they're basically on a uh, on like a kitty harness tied to each other. And just if you're someone that like this makes you uncomfortable, I I completely understand. It's just something that it's worth keeping in mind that this is not a promotion that will completely ignore things unless you are someone who leaves the company 
and have drama. Well, <laughs> and, and even then, like I like, I don't want to uh, lessen anybody's emotions. I don't want to put anybody oh, no, down. Not at all. But but this is where my butt comes in. Um, Again, it's not. We're not watching 1999 All Japan here, where Masawa can barely brush his teeth and he's getting dropped on his head on a nightly basis. Okay, this was this was a freak accident, and and it's gonna happen. And and at the very least, next time Shun Skywalker and Ben K wrestle each other in a singles match, you know they are going to tease some sort of spot like this. I think that is a guarantee, and I think that is a missed opportunity if they don't do that. But yeah, I, I don't understand why this would make anybody uncomfortable. I mean, this is wrestling, and I subscribe to the Joe Lanza theory. I'm amazed more guys don't get seriously injured. You know, the the level that wrestling is at right now with the moves that are done, with the speed in which they are done, I think we're incredibly lucky, and, and we shouldn't take it for granted that these sorts of things aren't happening more often. This is a full-contact sport. This is a dangerous sport. And for Ben K to, again, seemingly be okay, as of the time we're recording this, you know, we've heard, you know, he's off shows for the rest of the year, some form of a concussion, but he's going to be okay. It's it's certainly not a victory, but things could be much, much worse, not only in this situation, but just in wrestling as a whole. No, I'm totally with you. And as you were saying, like, it's very hard to talk about this match now with this, but I love this match up until that thing. And until it happened, like this was a match that coming off the summer main event, I was like, all right, they've really got to put it out there. And I felt like that these two had a performance that was deserving of this, deserving of the position, putting them to and the faith that the company did headlining the last of the big five shows in the year with two people who are who have no who are not wrestling in 2015 as a full time roster member. And I feel like they knocked out of the park. It's just a sad thing. And of course, like the primary concern out of this is hoping that. Ben continues to be okay and that you know this is something that you know that that there's no residual effects and could harm him but you know I and I might come off as callous in saying that but I think that they should still be applauded for what they put on and did before the freak accident happened oh my god yeah I mean I you know I think Mike we're just we're two people that come from more of a sports background with this and in sports injuries happen and you just kind of have to to deal with it it's a it's an unfortunate part but that's you know it's the industry. It's part of life. People get hurt. People get knocked out. And, and most of them get back up. And then once you see them get back up, you can applaud and hope for the best. And prior to that spot, you know, even like I said earlier, had the finish gone off normal with Yagi counting the three on that first moonsault, I would have 100% put this on my spreadsheet. It was the oh, yeah. awkwardness of the finish that made me go, well... Let's settle on three and three quarters, but but no, my God, this match was was terrific, and I, I'm not somebody. I saw some other comments about, well, they were doing shoot headbutts, and that should be outlawed in wrestling. It's like eh, I I don't know about that. I think it was kind of a cool spot, and I I kind of think you're a dork if you uh if you're calling safety police on two grown men choosing to do uh, what what they want to do with their bodies. So I did not mind the headbutts, and I you know Ben Kane shooting Skywalker. I don't think as long as both of them are coherent are capable of having a bad match. Yeah. Like I would say that, that up until that, it was like a four and one quarter start match verging on a hot stretch going into four and a half. And maybe if they pulled something out there, then we're talk really talking there. So they're going to do what they do. They are adults. And, you know, I do believe that there are that with how this roster works and how this operate and how it operates. If they think that something is not going well, or the thing is going to happen, they're going to step in. 
this company more so than anything else is willing to say you know what no that's not well we don't think that's for the best you gotta look out for yourself so i'm not worried in that regard and you know the the whole like people they just try and say what's safe and what's not safe just drives me insane so i'm gonna i'm not gonna think about the headbutt thing Uh, any other big thoughts yet on the main event before we start talking about the disbands match no, it was it was a really good match prior to the main event or prior to the finish rather. And if you know what's coming, and our review of it didn't make it seem uh, worrisome to you, I, I gotta be honest. I recommend watching the main event if if you know what's happening. You're not going to be grossed out or weirded out by it. It's a really good match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I'm totally on board with you there. Then we get to the semi-main event. This was the Torimon versus R.E.D. Losing unit must disband. No disqualification. Elimination match. Running down the participation participants case before I go through the nine falls right here. Uh, Torimon side, you had Naruki Doi, Masato Yoshino, Dragon Kids, Asumi Akosuka, Kinki Horiguchi. Versus the R.E.D. side of Ada, Kaido Shida, Hyo, S.B. Kento, and Hip Hop Kakuda. Here are the falls. The first fall was the elimination of Ada. With a powerbomb through his barbed wire door, door by door in 15 minutes 42. Second fall, Kakuta with a hand of God rolling lariat on Masato Yoshino at 19:51. Fall three, SB Kento with an armchair assisted arm lock on Doi at 20:43. Fall four was a Yokosuka cutter on the chair from Sunsumu onto Hio at 22:46. Fall five, SBK with a schoolboy on Sunsumu at 23:45. Fall 6, a backslide from hell from Horiguchi onto Kakuda. Fall 7 was SPK doing a pile driver through a table on Susumu. Fall 8 was Dragon Kid hitting the Ultra Hurricane Rana on Ishida at 28-14. And the deciding fall was SPK tapping out Dragon Kid in 31 minutes and 41 seconds with the SP shooter. SP Kento gets 4 out of the 5 falls on Torimon and Kakuda picks up the other one and the Torimon generation must disband. Uh, Mike, I don't I don't even know what to say about this match. I I think it is one of the greatest matches in the history of the Dragon System and I I will let you know what my comparisons are to it right now as we talk about what I think are five-star matches that have Dragon Gate guys involved. I'll run through them. There's there's nine matches here, and I, I I'm wondering. I, I guess I, I know. I guess I'm wondering just if you think they are on this level, and that is the uh, Italian connection, or I guess Kandati Shuji, Milano Collection AT, and Yoshino versus Dragon Kid, Kanichiro Ryan, Mochizuki versus Horiguchi, Magnum Tokyo, and Susumu versus Shima Don Fuji and Sua from August 30th, 2003. That is a five-star match, as well as Shima, Doi, and Fuji versus Saito, Dragon Kid, and Genki Horiguchi from Kobe World 2005. I have the original Blood Fi- Blood Generation versus Do Fixer match from 33106 in Ring of Honor, as well as the Typhoon versus Muscle Outlaws match from 32908 in Ring of Honor. Those are at five stars, as well as Brian Danielson versus Shingo Takagi from Drangate USA's first anniversary show, and Shingo Takagi versus Susumu Yokosuka from Shingo versus Susumu 3 from Drangate UK. And then after that, Pac and Drang Kid versus Shiba and Ricochet from World 2011, Shingo versus Mochizuki from Gate of Destiny 2015, and now this match at five stars. I mean, the one match that I would... Because this is a five-star match, 
Like, like we can't allude around. I, I, I had not heard your rating. Are you, are you giving this five stars? Yeah, this is a five-star match. That's, that's what I like to hear, Mike. Yeah, this is my first... I think this is both of our first five-star match since the uh, Shingo... Uh, Mochizuki gave Destiny 2015. Yeah, no, for me, it's the, the, the last time I went five stars was was that match, and it's hard to believe I've been reviewing Dragon Gate for five years, and it's only the second time I've given a match five stars. I think this is the first time you've heard me say five stars on Open the Voice Gate. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, like, it harkens back 22 years, this match. And I think that's the powerful thing about it is... For people like us, okay, so we're the real sickos here. Y'all who are dipping in, dipping, like, what's this Dragon Gate thing? Like, that's fine. No, case, the two of us, this is the stuff that we feed off of. The fact that Masato Yoshino had his telpo- telescoping baton from Blood Generation. The fact that Susumi Koska came out with his Razor Scooter. The fact that we had a black and blue box, not the lid that, that Ishida had. The fact that Masato Yoshino put in ice blue contacts. It's just like, there's things like that that just do things for the people who are the, tra- who've been, who have been there from like day one or have hopped on and gone back. But then you have like the fact that you could watch this match between these 10 men with three of these guys who are under the age of 20, uh, under the age of 25. Actually, I'm sorry. Four of these guys are under the age of 25. One whole side was under the age of 30. And the other side has people in their mid to late 40s who have been wrestling longer than Kento Kabune and Hip Hop Kakuta have been alive. Mike, as I pointed out in my review, a year to the day before Kabune was born, in the same town that he was born in, Dragon Kid won the NWA welterweight title. God. And it, and like I've had friends who aren't regular Dragon Gate watchers that parachute in and it's like, that's one of the most insane things I've ever seen. And only this promotion can provide that. Only this emotion can make such a big deal over the fact that you had Sakura Chikawa jumping in and giving the Ina Bauer German suplex in the middle of this match. Only this promotion will understand. Dragon Kid rested the last five minutes of this match about with basically without a functioning mask. Like, and then walked to the back with Kness after the match. Yes. His career rival was with that. Only this company can decide, all right, SB Kento robbed by any stretch of the imagination of being declared Tokyo Sports Rookie of the Year. I'm going to always be mad about that, by the way, guys. And rightfully so. They have such faith in this guy that he taps out Naruki Doi, one of the big six. He submits Asumi Yokosuka, the keystone of the Dragon Gate wrestling style. He... The, why did I the name Susumu twice when who is the first fall there so I'm sorry I'm looking at the Facebook page and they have the wrong one there as it ruins my point I had there so it's y- Yokosuka had the, the power attack it was Horiguchi through the pile driver through the table yes Giku. and then tapping out Dragon Kid and that's not to mention that Kakuda got the hand of God Lariat on Yoshino for two times in a month this promotion knows what they're doing with these kids and they're not afraid to say Hey, uh, Kento, you've you're coming up on your one year anniversary in a couple of days. Kakuda, you've only been wrestling in the COVID era. You've not seen a full crowd as a full roster member. And say, all right, y'all are taking all the falls on all of our legends. That's fine. We're going to do this. And then also do the sneaky thing of first elimination. 
Doi powerbombs Ada through the barbed wire, calling back to Dangerous Gate when Ada went through the barbed wire to begin with. That's going to be something if you're a new fan. Keep an eye on that with Ada. You, you do that, and the rest of your team cleans up. Things are going to look pretty testy for you in 2021, but just a masterpiece of a match. Some of the best storytelling, the Dragon System. Only the Dragon System is able to kind of pull off this kind of stuff here, guys. I mean, not to make it an us versus dumb debate, but this matches everything that WWE has built a multi-million dollar brand on. This match was telling. Th- th- this match was telling stories, but it wasn't shit. This was. I, this, this is the thing is like I, sometimes people say wrestling isn't hard, and I and I think to an extent that's true. I I think a lot of times wrestling is overcomplicated, but there's a difference between wrestling not being hard. And the extreme care and dedication that since January 31st, 1999, the Dragon System has dedicated itself to, because like I talked about in my review, this is a match that has been building since May 11th of 1997, when Dragon ran his first Toriumon Mexico show in Japan. And I really don't think that's hyperbolic, because... No, not at all. The match ends... And I don't know if this was done intentionally or not. I'd like to think it was with Dragon Kid, who was the fifth student of Ultimo Dragon. It was Shima, it was Sua, it was Don Fuji, and it was Magnum Tokyo as the first four. And then Dragon Kid is number five. The fact that he is the remaining link, not only being the protege of Ultimo Dragon, but being in that first class for him to be the last one to go. This match has been building since 1997. And it was paid off in a way that took my breath away. I, I've just, I've never seen a match like this. I thought this was genuinely incredible. It, it, the the storytelling in this match, uh, again, like Mike talked about, you know, all the references to the other units, and that's all that's all great for the hardcore fans. But if you're parachuting in, if you're listening to this podcast because you, you want to know whether it's worth it or not to check out Dragon Gate at least just for this show. Maybe it becomes a promotion you follow later on in the, in the future, but at least for this show, you, you want to check some stuff out. You'll If you have a basic understanding of human emotion, of good guys versus bad guys, you'll be able to understand this match. It, it just what they did here was was mind-blowing, and it's it, there, there's such a finality with this match that I, I can't get over of just how... Up until the very end, I really thought Toriumon was going to win this match. I thought Dragon Kid was going to get to the ropes on the SB Shooter, and I thought they would go into a sequence where Dragon Kid, you know, likely hits the Dragon Rana and wins it for his team. I was stunned when Toriumon lost, and the Fukuoka crowd was stunned when Toriumon lost, because after the match, I I I should have timed this, and I probably should have gone back and and at least after the fact, got an official time, but I believe... From the time the match ended to the time Ben K versus Shun Skywalker hit the ring, I think 25 minutes had elapsed because I know as soon as the match ended, I started digging through my notes to because I, I, I just knew what I wanted to write for this review and I need to fact check a few things. But a silence just hung in this building for the longest time, and it's something that for as long as this promotion exists, and for as long as I care about wrestling, which one day I hope I can break the curse, but for now I'm pretty locked in, I, I'll i never forget this. I, I mean, this is one of the best matches 
I have ever seen. And it is something, you know, to be said about Dragon Gate that when they hit five stars, in the case of the four-way from 2003, in the case of the six-man from World 2005, the two Ring of Honor matches that I give them five stars to, Pac, versus, or Pac and Dragon Kid versus Shima and Ricochet, or Shingo, and Mo, you know, Shingo versus Mochizuki, those are not only five-star matches. I think those are some of the greatest matches of all time. And the fact that they have added yet another to that dimension, another five-star match that, you know, uh, look, I'm not going to break my scale for it, but if I wanted to, I I would not begrudge anyone that threw a six-star on this match. I really think it's that good. And at the end of the day, it's not just a good match. It's not it's not a good match for the sake of having a good match. It's a it, it's a it's a good match where they got a 20-year-old over a guy as we're recording this that in America is not yet 21 years old. He'll turn 21 tomorrow. It's unbelievable what they have done this year. And Mike, I have to ask you, because I think I found the comparison that I was looking for in terms of a rookie of the year. But can can you think of a rookie that has ever had the type of first year that SBK has had? The only one of recent vintage is Utami Hayashishida in Stardom, where they debuted her and they had her go to the finals of their tournament, of their singles tournament, and then and then they I believe they had her win the tag team tournament immediately after and became a champion within like four months. Yeah, that that that's a good call just from the little bit I know about Stardom. I, I honestly was was trying when I was writing my view my review. I was like, is there a way? I can compare SBK to Goldberg without sounding like an idiot, and unfortunately, there is no way because uh, I, I think Goldberg is, admittedly, while he's not as talented as SBK, although I, I like Goldberg and I think people that that don't are really weird because that seems like a, a universal guy to like as a wrestler. But yeah, SBK and Goldberg, not a ton in common. But if you look at the booking of Shingo Takagi from his first year, it is very, very similar. Shingo becomes the driving force behind Blood Generation when they first debut in January of 2005. They win the Triangle Gate belts in February of 2005, and Shingo was not the featured act on that team, but it is also really hard to ignore him. In a team with Shima and Don Fuji, Shingo was really shining brightly in that team. And then the the thing that changes Shingo's fate is seemingly the September 7th Cork and Hall match where it's Shima, Magnitude, Kishiwada, and Shingo against Masaki Mochizuki, Susumi Yokosuka, and Takamichinoku. And Shingo pins Mochizuki in that match, who was then the Dreamgate champion, and they set up Shingo versus Mochizuki for the next month, or actually at the, a few weeks later in Hokkaido, of all places. But it, a lot of the booking from this year echoes Shingo Takagi's first year, with the caveat that I think SBK has been booked stronger than Shingo was in his first year. And the fact that I am saying that, I mean, look, I was high on Kabune when he came into the company a year ago, but the yeah. fact that, <laughs> I guess his debut was a year ago. He turns, he doesn't turn 21 until February 6th. That is absolutely disgusting to think about. <laughs> as, someone that will turn, to feeling old. as someone that will turn 22 on February 12th, it is disgusting to think about how young Kabune is. But, you know, again, I was high on him when he debuted. I thought... You know, this guy reminds me a lot of Yamato, and I think we are seeing that especially come true as his in-ring ability is slowly starting to catch up with his charisma, but he's somehow been booked uh, better than Shingo was in his debut year, and I just didn't think that was going to be a possibility. 
and it's something that they didn't really have a situation to be fair to Shingo where they could capitalize on the history other than like penning mochizuki which and then getting a dreamgate shot in his first year like that's that's still nuts to think about but they've clearly have had him have yoshino's number until this match where they let kakuda have it and then cleaning up against three or two dragon gate or two dreamgate champions uh or three dreamgate champions my apologies and then really just like the person who in a lot of ways is the icon in, of dragon gate and dragon kid and it, it, it i i don't the, want the, to the say dragon this. kid finish I, I sorry to cut you off but but spk has already submitted yoshino the dragon kid finish just it was just gut-wrenching because again he's the heart and soul of this promotion and for him to tap and end the way he did it just middle of the ring all alone, mask hanging by a thread. It was unbelievable. I mean, promotions hope that they can strike gold like this once in a generation, and it seems like every big show SBK is on, they're doing it over and over again. And it's something where you like look at him, and the thing is, like, the only way they can make this more definitive is if they. And, and I, I'm, I'm not saying this to sound distasteful, given what Ben K is, if he had a stretcher job. Like that's the only way to make this more definitive. Or if he ripped the mask off and like went up, went up to top the steps and had like the mask of Dragon Kid in his mouth during his promo. You know, like there's not much more they could do other than having him just in the middle of of Kobe next week. Actually, he can't do that. That match already signed. Okay, but in the first quirk in the year, him tap out Shin Skywalker and then tap out Ultimo Dragon. Those are like the well, only. Uh, that, yes, I was gonna say Ultimo was the is the big one there. I I, I would be. I guess I can't count Dragon Gate out for anything. I would be a little bit surprised if we see SBK and Skywalker together. I, I get right. the sense that they want to purposefully keep them away from each other right now. Now, again, this could be wrong in Cork and Hall. Maybe SBK pins Skywalker in the middle of the ring. Who knows? <laughs> but it, it, w- it wouldn't shock me if it happened. But I, I get the impression they want to keep them apart for now, which I think is, is the right move. But Ultimo's there, and I can't get over this idea of SBK kind of embarrassing Ultimo to an extent, and I can't rule it out. This guy just ripped Dragon Kid's mask off and submitted him in the middle of the ring. And, like, you look at, like, the rest of the unit. Kakuda gets his Yoshino win, which, you know, that's huge. And you you keep on go. I keep on going back to this point. I might as well highlight it. Ada being eliminated first, that's the first shoe to drop in the upcoming shuffle. Because now you have... Ishida, Hio, Kento, and Kakuda saying, hey, we don't need this guy. He lost before anyone else did. And seeing how things are, are going to go, I think it's pretty safe to say that whatever the new heel unit is going to be based around. And let me give a little shout out to my main man, Hio. <laughs> Hio getting the opportunities finally. And he was solid in the match here. Just good for you, Hio. Good for you, Hio. But like this four, that's your core of your next heel unit. And really... The only thing you need is just like one more turn, and I'm right now looking at the at, at the result that I think might result in that turn. That's KZ, and you have a killer heel unit coming out of this just because of you look at credentials and you really that there's not a whole lot that this unit does not have. Do you think KZ turning heel? If we want to compare this to Masquerade, where you know for as much potential as Coach Minora has. He is the definitive number two behind Skywalker. 
Do you think putting SPK and KZ in the same heal unit right now would detract from SPK's potential? I look at uh, Kota Minora and SPK differently. I think that's fair. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Uh, I think that Masquerade has Kota as number two more so because someone has to be number two and might as well be that you're up and comer. Uh, KZ with Ishida, that's really strong mic work and that can get the kids to build something off that. I don't think that overshadows them immediately unless Kento immediately drops the title to Stalker Chikawa. I think that he has such a course that he's almost like strapped into that I don't think that having a strong mic worker or have someone that has that tenure that they naturally be higher than them. I mean, this is also KZ we're talking about too. <laughs> like th- th- this isn't like suddenly Yamato's turning and joining RED, which would absolutely overshadow everyone. I, you just brought up a good point that I, I you weren't trying to make, but I had completely forgotten about Kaito Ishida and all of this. And mm-hmm. Ashida, for what it's worth, when I submitted my SFM 50 a few, or I, I guess a week ago, Ashida was my seventh best wrestler in the world this year, my number two Dragon Gate guy, and I think I'm probably going to vote for him at least, well, I, I guess in my top three, because my, my number one's going to be Kenny Omega, but he's probably going to get my Flair Fez vote from Dragon Gate. And earlier on, earlier in this year, we were talking about how you know Ata's the wrong direction for R.E.D. This needs to be Kaito Ishida's heel unit. Kaito Ishida's the future, and he feels like an afterthought right now, which isn't anything he's done. It just speaks to how engaging these rookies are. And and, and to be fair to Ishida, he did have the feud of the year. Exactly. So. No, Ishida was incredible this year. But we're living in a twenty-four hour news cycle where the last thing that entertained me <laughs> was Kento Kabune, and so I'm going Kaito Ishida. Who's that? Bring me more SBK. No, that that's entirely fair. That's entirely fair. It'll be interesting to see what's going to happen to Torimon guys. Like, we focus so much on Red. We know that Masato Yoshino is about to enter the last eight months of his career. Or he's in his, he's about to enter his last seven months of his career, to be fair. Uh, Doi, you know, that's going to be interesting. Of course, he has Team Boku to lay back on. Susumi Yokosuka and Ginky Horiguchi seem like a package deal at this point. Dragon Kid, though, that's an interesting one. He'll never turn heel, but could he be a person for that, that he goes and joins Masquerade? Because he be, he'd be a solid number two that I think would solve a lot of their problems. Yeah, I I, I do. I, I like that. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, you know, you want to run through these guys. Ultimo is doing things with Team Boku. Yeah. I think Yoshino is starting something. I, I know the direction is that they're teasing Yoshino and Kamei as a team, and I and I think they should run towards that. I wouldn't be shocked if we if we get some Yoshino Ato or not Ato Ata tag team matches later on this year, I think once Ata turns, he's probably going to be looking for some form of salvation with Masato mm-hmm. Yoshino. I like Dragon Kid the Masquerade. I agree with you. I think Horiguchi and Gang or I'm sorry, Horiguchi and Susumu are going to be some sort of package deal. You know, a guy like Shuji Kondo though, I I don't know where he goes. I mean, maybe it's you know. Susumu, Horiguchi, Kondo, Mochizuki, Fuji, Shisa, who knows? You know, that that yeah. certainly borders on uh, almost an M2K style unit, but that's not that's certainly not a bad thing. I have no real feel for what comes of this. And, and I, I, my guess is, with the exception of 
Ultimo, who we know what he's doing, with Yoshino, who we seem to have a clear path there with him and Kamei, and, and possibly Dragon Kid to mask, Masquerade, just because I think that makes so much sense, and, and God willing, they'd put Super Shisa in that unit as well. I, I don't know if we're going to get the dust settling and, and Toriumon guys in new units until either the Dragon Gate generation or R.E.D. disband, because I think then we'll get a full reshuffle. But I do think you run into a bit of a booking conundrum there if you're just having Toriumon guys start these new units, even though they just teamed together for an entire year and that unit mm-hmm. had to be disbanded, if that makes sense. No, no, no. You have, like, the idea of maybe Dragon Gate generation becomes their thing, seeing that they've shed off a lot of units, a lot of, a lot of people lately. You could have someone turn heel there, and then you could easily add someone like Kondo to that as well. Like, there's a lot of ways to go for it. It'll be pretty interesting. Um, I guess it's time for us to get to the second title match on the show. Open the Twin Gate Championship match. It was BB, Hulk, and Kai of R.E.D. defending against Mochi Fuji of Masaki Mochizuki and Don Fuji. It was BB, Hulk, pinning Masaki Mochizuki with a first flash in 12 minutes, 53 seconds. Hulk and Kai make their second successful defense. I thought this was an incredibly fun match. It's one of those where, you know, look, I obviously wanted Mochi Fuji to win. I think that would have been a healthy direction for the Twin Gate titles. But we're once again in a position where the 50-year-old Masaki Mochizuki is putting on just a clinic. I mean, Mochizuki ran this match. Even Don Fuji, who I've raved about since July for how hard he's been working and how good he's been, someone that I thought was legitimately one of the 50 best wrestlers in the world this year, it was not really a Fuji performance, and it wasn't much from Hulk and Kai. It was Mochizuki just doing what Mochizuki does. Yeah, like, Fuji hit the nice German near fall. Like, like that was his thing there, but Mochizuki again, I mean... The guy's the guy's just insane at this point, and it's something that through like him and you know Hulk and Kai they held up their side in the deal. They are a fun sleazy tag team as long as you're not expecting like like crazy work rate out of those two. Those guys are two guys that really I don't want either of them to turn face for a long time because I'm thoroughly enjoying them. It's just absolute just jerks as heels here, and you know I want four stars on this. I then again it has like Moshi Fuji with the exception of an Araiwa. Reunion. I mean, you're talking about my favorite tag team in this company's history here. So, like, I was I was destined to have a good time here, Case, and I was not let down. Like, I I I was just like vibing with this match, and then there was like this really cool reversal of like Don Fuji going for the uh, the choke slam, and then Kai turning into a DDT. So, as much as this match is, and I completely agree with you, about sixty five to seventy percent Masaki Mochizuki. Everyone else found their moments, and found ways to shine in this match. I I would also say, just to go back to our prior conversation, I think Fuji and Mochizuki will be a package deal going forward. I I don't think we've seen the last of them as a team, at least I hope not. And you're you're right. Look, I, I don't buy into this Hulk and Kai slander. I get that maybe not everybody wants to see Kai and Drangate. To that, I say get over it. I think he's assimilated himself to the roster uh, for a year now, I think he's been totally fine, and and Hulk is not what he once was, and I think if you go back and watch 2009 BB Hulk and then 2020 BB Hulk, you're going to be disappointed, but this broken down version of Hulk is not new, and he's working within his own parameters and is incredibly efficient at that. 
So yeah, they're they're a super fun tag team. I don't know if they're ever gonna peak super high. If they were going to do it, it was probably going to be against Fuji and Mochizuki, just given the talent of those guys and their in-ring styles meshing. But yeah, you know they're not an embarrassment to the division. I want mm-hmm. them to lose the titles because I'm sick of seeing them in the Twin Gate scene. But in a vacuum, I have no issue with this reign. No, I'm totally with you on that as well. Hey, Tatsuchi Kondo there. That's a hell of a triangle gate team. Mochi Fuji Kondo. I mean, I, that's a better version of Mochi Fuji Kishiwata, which was a great triangle gate team. Hey, hey, hey. That's only because how good uh, Shuji Kondo is. That's no... Oh, of course. No, yeah, yeah. We love the big boss at Open I, I, I wish Magnitude Kishiwata would come back. I wish he would put SBK in his place. That's the money match. SBK versus Kishiwata. Oh god, that'd be great! Can you that imagine that, that headlining so World 2022 <laughs> mascara contra caballero, <laughs> shaving off his his hair. Magnitude Kishiwa is just so proud of himself. Don Fuji just laughing at the whole entire time. Yeah, that needs to happen. Let's go. <laughs> that would be, of course, the second time that Magnitude Kishiwa has headlined Kobe World, as he was once booked in a match where uh, Shima had to take the whole ring apart, and then was like, well. The you know the ropes are down. I guess we have to go on last, guys. And and they headlined over a dream game match. <laughs> Two thousand six was a wild time. All right, <laughs> open the Brave Gate Championship. It was Dragon Gate Generations Keisuke Okuda defeating Toriyama Generations Kakatora with a rear naked choke in fifteen minutes and twenty two seconds. It was the second successful defense. I think that if you aren't going to apply a rating or how you're going to judge the main event this was your second best match on the show just i mean the build-up was great we got we knew that these two guys would go they gave them 12 minutes uh or 15 minutes rather and just was an absolute blast and you know we gotta see prick we gotta see prick dickhead kakatora which is something whenever i see kakatora get mad i know some shit's about to go down that's what we got here i i said at the time you know this was a match that for most of it was very acceptable wrestling and not bad and, and, you know, pretty engaging, but you know, good, not great. And once they turned it up, I mean, this is, this is why people lose their minds over Kagatora. I, I get it to some extent, you know, when he is on, just given his offense and I think his size really helps and just the way he moves around the ring, he is a master of crafting these finishing stretches. And, and for Okuda, an MMA based guy, to be right there with him every step of the way, not messing up at all. It speaks to the house style and the perfection that I talked about earlier. And it speaks to how damn good Kaisuke Akuda is. Yeah, I mean, all those years in the wilderness wandering, apparently all he needed was some training under Don, uh, under Masaki Mochizuki. And now he's probably like, if I was going to like list like my top 10 wrestlers of the year, like he's in my top 10 list. Like he just was exceptional. Um, Big thing to point out here, of course, there was a mystery man in a gas mask that is highly inferred to be a Japanese like music megastar, Gact. Dragon Gate has Gact potentially in the promotion. I know, Casey, you're not you're not too up on Gact. I had to kind of go tell you he's a big <laughs> I, deal. I, I don't know who it is. I do love the uh, the sentence Dragon Gate has Gact, uh, but I don't know anything about this it, man. It, it's something that. Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis, was like, why didn't you tell me Gact was at the show? Like, he is, like, that big of, like, a huge star. Like, he is just, if it is him, and they're heavily inferring that it is, because him and Keisuke Akuda, Keisuke Akuda has a lot of friends, apparently, and one of them is one of the biggest musicians in Japan right now. 
Uh, look, uh, Kaisuke Akuda's got some friends in high places. He's got some family members in high places too. Okay, this man, <laughs> this man has connections. More, more power to him. I, I, I want to say to your point about Akuda being a, a, a top ten wrestler in the world this year. I referenced earlier the SFM fifty, which that list should be coming out any day now, and I'm very excited for people to see the final results. Akuda was the one guy that I could not place for the life of me. He's on my top fifty, but I had no idea where he was going to end up. And I do feel like I did him a disservice, despite being in the feud of the year, despite constantly being enjoyable. I had him at 43 on my list, which oh. which I know seems wrong. The thing that I was hung up on was I looked at the matches I have at four stars or better throughout the year, and he is missing those random Kyoto six-mans or that, you know, that great Osaka match that he had all of his stuff has specifically been with Kaito Ishida this year prior to this match. It was all like, again, that's the feud of the year by a, by a country mile. But I, I I felt like Akuda was missing something else, but just saying it out loud, saying him at 43, like that sounds ridiculous. So I, I, I want to apologize to Akuda because I do feel like I underrated him. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think he's top 10. Uh, I, I, I hope that Okuda would... Accept your apology. If if Keisuke Akuda ever wanted to just uh, come on the show or just hang out, I'd be okay with that. Well, you know you me, know? Mike. I'm a streetwear king. I love the streetwear, yeah. and I'd be more than happy to uh, perhaps use a, a little Lids discount for Keisuke Akuda. I, I know some people at Lids. I can, I can still get him the uh, 20% off employee discount. I mean, I would hope that we would be able to whatever a Keisuke Akuda would want. Uh, <laughs> what, what am I, I going to wanted... tell him No. <laughs> no, you can't have this hat for a discount. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> no, no reason. You can get it. Just take it. I don't care. <laughs> I, I I did look this up because I just wanted to be sure about this. Uh, Gact has never released an album that did not place in the top ten in Japan, sales wise. That's that's very impressive. I don't know the last time that Drangate had a celebrity like this, besides maybe Choi Hong Man come in. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's kind of the level. And if you know. Uh, uh, let, let's see what Gak can do. Uh, if Gak's up for it, I mean, he, he he's a star at a, at a level that really shouldn't have to concern himself with pro wrestling. But if he wants to go learn to be a pro wrestler, me at Dragon Gate, that would be wild. I would love that. I, I fully support it. If he's a big star, look, I'm not going to complain about him coming into Dragon Gate. There we go. And then getting down to the uh, opening half of the show, six-man four-way match. It was Toriumon of Ultimo, Kanda, and Kondo. Uh, Dragon Gate Generation, Yamato, KZ, UT. Masquerade, Minora, Dai, and Estrella, uh, R.E.D., Diamante, Sakamoto, and Inferno. This was a one-fall match, and it was Kota Minora getting the pin with the gang on KZ in 12 minutes and 13 seconds. I love this match. I th- this is this was a spot fest. This was pure insanity for 12 minutes, however long you said it went. And the important thing here is, once again, La, La Estrella, who I'm going to continue pronouncing that uh, that way until I... Estrella. Estrella? Okay, fair enough. Uh, that's uh, good enough for me. That made sense. So, Estrella. So, Estrella. So La Estrella. La Estrella yeah. once, oh, no, no R. That's on me. Estrella. La Estrella. Is, oh, okay. We're, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take me a week or so to get es- that down. Estrella. <laughs> La Estrella. There we go. Once again... A little bit rough around the edges, had some some shaky moments, though it's not entirely his fault that Diamante and Shuji Kondo went to throw him over their top, and Kondo threw him into the lights, because I don't think Kondo realized just how <laughs> small this guy was. I'm not putting that as Estea's fault. 
but once again, you know, a little bit rough around the edges, you know, a guy that's clearly in his second match of his career, but when he needed to deliver, he nailed the dropkick and he did a moonsault to the floor using no hands. And that's all I want from this guy. This was a four star match because I thought it was just a perfectly executed spot fest. Yeah, it was perfectly executed. I wanted more. I, I, I really want to see him in a lot more matches. And that's why I was like, I, I love this. this was, I went three and a half stars on it. It just was something that like the focus of the match was Daya selling his ass off, which he's incredible at. But give me spots. Give me moves. That's what I was hoping to come out of that. And maybe that's like I was a victim of my own expectations here because I think you're probably close to it. And hey, we're now talking about a show that the top five matches, at least for us, probably were four stars or better. Yeah, I was at four stars here. I was at four stars on the Bravegate match, five stars on the unit disbands match, and then three and three quarters for the main event, which to me is a show of the year. Yeah. Then we get into the comedy match. It was Team Boku, uh, Ryo, Ryo Saito, Bukudomo Dragon, Punchdown Monaga versus a real assortment of guys. Yeah, Kness. I guess technically it is Torimon, but it's Kness, uh, Konamawa Chikawa, and Sachi Hoko Boy. Bokudomo got the append in 6 minutes and 19 seconds with the Bokudomo style log my shawl on Sachioko boy. I mean, the big thing in this match was Stalker didn't take the fall. The, the thing that you have to go back and watch from this match if you haven't seen it is the entrance of the losing team where Ichikawa comes out and he's doing the pump up the crowd thing. Sachihoko boy comes out and he's playing a mean air guitar. And then Kness comes through the curtain, arms by his side, dejected and defeated. And it is the funniest visual of the entire night. The entrance, the match wasn't bad, <laughs> but the entrance was perfection. A five-star entrance. Yeah, yeah, no, it was just really kind of, uh, <sighs> Kness, I'm, I'm sorry, bud, but this is who you are. I mean, you're in your 50s. Like, this happens, man. He's in his 50s. He's made a glass as well. Like, I don't think... Yeah. I mean, would I support a Kness Bravegate challenge? Of course I would, but I don't think that's happening anytime soon. No, no, no. Actually, I wouldn't want to have him go against uh, Kiske Akuda. He might break again. <laughs> Akuda might pull that ankle off on the ankle lock. <laughs> that, that is fair. Uh, singles match, uh, R.E.D. Sakashi Yoshida loses to Masquerade's Jason Lee with the Gate of Death uh, flash pen in 7 minutes and 24 seconds. Yoshida continues to flip out after the match he attacked Yagi. As I said in my review, I think I could have called this match and I, I would have nailed it move for move. This was strangely comforting in a weird way just because I, I once this match was announced, I knew exactly what it was going to be and it turned into just that. Brother, we knew exactly what was going to happen in this match. There was no way that this match wasn't going to be about exactly uh, seven minutes and it was going to end in a flash pin. Like, there was going to be no maximum driver here. It was going to be this. And, you know, it was what it was. Uh, you, you didn't stink up the joint, but it was what I expected. And, you know, it, it's going to be interesting now with Masquerade, I think, especially with the fact that it seems like Lee is kind of being kind of being like the odd man out of things which is a bummer but someone had to face uh cyber kong and i guess he drew the short straw there but the thing with lee is he's such a professional you know a, a guy that is not a true born to the system but but bought into this idea just to continue bringing it up of perfection and look was this match any good no i mean it wasn't bad but it, it certainly wasn't any good but jason lee held his own i mean you know he, mm -hmm. he's, it just he's such a rock solid professional wrestler yeah, no, and someone just to continue that point. Sorry, I, I, I thought of this as well, and I think I've said this about Lee before. But if you put that guy in 
any other junior division on earth, with the exception of your top-tier New Japan guys, which at this point it's Hiromu and maybe Taiji Ishimori, Lee goes into any other junior division in the world, and he becomes the best guy in that junior's division. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, maybe it's something that Triangle Gate run with him, uh, Daya, and Estea. You know, that could be fun. You know, like there, there is a place there. I just hope that Masquerade, because I really do like Jason a whole lot, I hope that he is not, sadly, the odd person on things. Like, and I think I said that last week, so no reason to belabor that point. The opener, six-man tag team match. Everyone get on the card. Super Shisa, Gamma, and Ho-Ho Lu uh, lost to Yosuke Samaria, Problem Dragon, and Takedo Kamei. Kamei got a jackknife cradle on Gamma in five minutes and 28 seconds. And hey, it, it, it's it's a youth revolution here. The, the Zoomers are rising up to get their elders. And if you're going to go after someone, Gamma is the one who's the only person that really has any sort of station. So it matters that Kamei got the pin on him. Yeah, we got just enough Kamei and Shisa in this match to satisfy my appetite, but it's easy to point at SBK and Kakuta in their match and say, well, look at what they're doing with the rookies, but you compare this match, which, you know, Dragon Maria, Gamma, Shisa, and, and Ho-Ho Loon, had he been around, would have been in the same position. Th- those are five perennial opening match wrestlers, and if this was 2016 and you had... Futa Nakamura or Shun Watanabe in this match at this stage and where Kamei's at in, in his career, I think the rookie's taking the fall. And it's the little stuff like this that really matters. The fact that there are you know they're winning matches like this, some of them decidedly, some of them by flash pin. I think it just based on the confidence that this roster has in Kamei, Kakuta, Kabune, and at least we forget Sora Fujikawa, who I still don't know of a timetable for his return, but we, ha- you know, Fujikawa, we came out of his last match going, oh, this is the guy that's the most over of the rookies. And then he got kicked in the face and had to have surgery. But there's another one that has already debuted that is still just ready to go as soon as he's healthy. No, no, I, I fully believe that he is going to be playing a big part as soon as he's able to get healthy. And then, I mean... Look at Asaya. That was his second televised match. And he's already in a four-star match. And you just like, look at these, these things. And it's something where, coming out of this show, the big question, and I've written about this case a lot, and I've talked to, to you about this a lot, is they are preparing not just for what they need to be doing in 2021. They're talking about what they need to be doing in 2025, where they want to be in 2030. And doing this now, and doing this especially considering the fact that Masato Yoshino is not going to be the first or last person to retire in this company over the next four years. I think that's an entirely fair assessment. I would hope that everyone gets to wrestle as long as they're they're physically able to and that they still want to do that, but that's just how life is. But they know that the stars that led them through their first true generation of the promotion are going to be, are sadly, they aren't going to be around for much longer. I would say I would I would not, I'd be stunned if a lot of the people here, other than doing like a, a pure like veterans rumble, would be a part of Kobe World 2030. So they're doing what they need to do, and the crowd is receptive to it. I mean, the crowd you you would not think that one this was Fukuoka or two that they had provisions during that losing unit must disband match. That was one of the loudest times I've heard Fukuoka in a long time. 
oh, you wouldn't know we were in a pandemic with the way they reacted to it. I mean, that was a legitimately hot crowd. And they had every, you know, it, it's just, again, just the knots these people twist themselves into, not just for New Japan, but just in general. Oh, well, you know, if this was normal, fans would be into it. It's like, I, I don't know. I think if stuff is good, fans will find a way to, to show that they care. Yeah, yeah. And if there's any promotion that would make Mike, ha- Mike Patton happy about caring a lot, it is Dragon Gate. Because the, the, the people there, and in cases sigh there about my really bad uh, pun i made with that but this cur- but they're invested in it and to the extent that you know i would not be surprised if we see another reissue of protocol coming into 2020 because of what happened at fukuoka it's it's just it's really impressive and and, and i said earlier you know some people say wrestling's not hard and i'm not sure i'd, I, I'd go that far but I might have to revise that. In the case of Dragon Gate, wrestling is very, very hard because they are the ones that are the trailblazers right now. In the case of every other promotion, wrestling is very easy. Just follow what Dragon Gate's doing. And, and I, I mean, the difference is, Mike, the, the difference is, look at what happened to the U.S. indie scene in 2016, 17, and 18, where, granted, we're talking about Dragon Gate, who is losing Masato Yoshino for sure, and maybe some other guys throughout the next few years, whereas the indie scene, guys were getting picked off left and right, but they still had the opportunity to build towards the future, and pretty much every single one of them failed to do so. And now we look at the state that the Indies are in, and things make sense. We've now learned from history, so if this happens again, we can hopefully avoid it. Whereas Drangate losing Tozawa, Shingo, Shima, Yamamura, Lindemann, and T-Hawk found themselves in a situation where they were not as prepared for the future as they would have liked. Now, I know for Mike and I, the hardcore fans, you know, we certainly miss Shingo and Tozawa and and, and Stronghearts to some extent, but we, around, I would say, anything after World 2018, it was like, okay, the promotions moved on like they have their guys, but we're now seeing a, a more casual fan base that left when Shingo and Tozawa and all of these other people left, going, oh, there are guys here now. You know, I, I like this guy, and I, I, I want to watch this guy, and I want to check out what this guy's doing. They fully restocked the pond in a way that is undeniable. So if, you know, God forbid, Ben K is never the same again. God forbid, Genki Horiguchi blows out his knee and is not the same again. They're prepared, and I fully believe that. And look, not all these prospects are going to work out. They've got a million kids in the dojo right now. Not every one of them is going to debut, and the ones that debut, not everyone's going to be a star. But they have something really special here with the four rookies they have. I'm including Fujikawa in that. And I think they have something special not only with La Estea, but with Shun Skywalker, who, you know, is a special, special wrestler who's the current Dreamgate champion. And under normal circumstances, I think we'd be losing our mind about how he returned to Mexico and didn't miss a beat. It just so happens we have this 20-year-old that we have to deal with instead. <laughs> I, I'm glad that now you can get cranky about your younger's case. Yeah, the first one was Zion. Seeing Zion sh- sign that shoe contract at 19 years old and then me looking at my bank account going like, oh, that'd be nice to have. I wish I was good at basketball or anything else besides talking about Japanese wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's one of those things that it not everyone's gonna be an sb kento and one of one of our favorite phrases is, is that you always need more dish diggers but looking at where things are closing out 2020 of course we'll be back talking about the final show of 2020 if you were to tell me 
or case, if I were to tell you on May 6th, 2018, that you will have probably about, it's going to be a little bit of a shaky seven months, then then you're going to have Pat come back and basically put the company on his shoulders for the next eight months before giving the title to Benke. And then soon after that, you're going to have Ada ascending to be the heel leader, the the I mean, we're still going to go along with that. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll buy uh, into what they're selling for once. We'll buy into what they're selling there. And then Shun Skywalker coming in and looking like an absolute monster with people that are four years younger than him hip, uh, nipping at his heels. Which you, I, I would think that you were kind of crazy in a way. Like It's ridiculous how the last, uh, let's say, 18 months have been for this company. It, it's a monumental feat. It really, I, I don't think it could be overstated because, I, you know, as silly as it might be, I know we just talked about a five-star match, but I don't even know if we're at the apex of this yet. You know, this this feels really, really special in assuming fans can get in the building and act normal again. I think we're only going to see that increase, you know? It, it's just the fact that Dragon Gate, which for so long existed, at least in the West, as, well, they have Shima and they have Shingo, and we've always got Tozawa, he's our guy— and the fact that it seems like they are moving on from that and the Western fan base is I. I mean, look, I moved on from that, from that years ago. But the fact that more people are getting on board with that, it's obviously good for this show, but it's just, it's good for wrestling. And, and hopefully, instead of watching Attitude Era Raws, maybe people on the indies will take notice of this instead. Yeah, w- one can certainly hope that they learn from something from, the, from this year versus 25 or 23 years ago. Uh, I, I did do a little bit of stalling when I said that because I was waiting to see if we had an update to the card in Kobe. That's the last televised show of the year. It is the traditional homecoming fan appreciation show. We did know the main event before Benke was hurt. We do know he's out of that. And we we were talking a little bit pre-showcase, and I was taking it back a little bit. going to be real interesting who they might put into that slot there because it is the whole masquerade five-some against Yamato, KZ, UT, Okuda, and now X. Yeah, the insane thing is that we just had a match of the year contender, and now they're throwing this 10-man tag at us on the final show of the year. And look, is it going to be anything uh, marvelous? Or I guess match of the year contender would be the more appropriate way. Look, probably not. But this, by all accounts, just looking at the names involved, should be a four-plus star match. Yeah, and who they might call up to be X. I mean, the Dragon Gate generation side, to be fair, is getting a little bit on lean, losing people to Masquerade, but now you suddenly have all these unaffiliated guys. We weren't even talking about that in that pre-show case. Do you think they might just like throw in Dragon Kid into the main event here? Because I could see that happening. Uh, that would be that would be awesome if they did that. That's something I had not thought about. Because again, you know, I mean, even just you know, it's it's unrealistic, but, you know, Mochizuki, just throw him in that match, you know, just do just do something. There's a lot of possibilities there, and no disrespect to Yosuke Santa Maria, but I think I would rather see one of those unaffiliated people in the match rather than her, just for a pure match quality perspective. No, that's entirely fair. That is entirely fair with that, but we'll be back next week for that, and then I have some things that I'm going to pop on case during our updates, probably next week. If not next week, then definitely during the down period. It will be the last show of Dragon Gate for 2020. They will come back on the 9th. I think they actually, are, are they starting Kyoto this year or are they starting in Osaka? I think it's Osaka. They are going to be in Kyoto on January 9th and Osaka on January 10th. And then Cork and Hall, January 12th and 13th. 
Yeah, big, big month for them coming up ahead. I'm, I'm right now looking at the card. If you're someone who's like hearing the show and you're like, oh, I want to watch all this stuff. It's very hard for us to recommend the network at the end of the month with how Japanese does in Japan, how they do scheduling and how they do how they put things out, though. But their first four of their first five shows are televised. They don't get to Sambo until the 17th. And then they also have uh, they have a, a cross book with a double shot in January. Yeah, that's, that's right. Great. Yes. Um, <laughs> but that's still I think we I think we talked about this last week, but that's seven shows making tape in January. So once again, there's not a bad month to sign up right now because it's it's chock full of content and as I as we talked about with David Bixen span today, you know, the Toriumon library, they are they have essentially the first two years in full up on the Toriumon network, TV starting from January of nineteen ninety nine through right now, November of two thousand one, December will be uploaded shortly. And if you can figure out how to navigate the network, which is not the easiest thing to do, every Kobe world ever, your big events like Gate of Destiny and Dangerous Gate, those archives are fully stocked at this point. And plus, you know, stuff like the the When We Were Young series, the rookie debut matches, there's a lot on the network. You just perhaps wouldn't know it from the way the website is laid out. Yeah, no. And just like one last thing also about the site. They started this, like, soccer tournament. Did you watch this thing? I have not yet. I knew I was forgetting oh. to do something. That's what it was. So they started, like, this very jokey kind of thing for something called the Open the Beautiful Goal, where they're trying to, like, see who does, like, trick shots and stuff like this. It is, as someone who is very low on my fluency in Japanese, I was able to follow along what goes goes on there. And it is uh, Yosuke San Maria, Benkei, UT, uh strong machine J and Takedo Kame doing a soccer tournament that pulls in Mr. Nakagawa and announcer Ono into it. And it is an absolute treat. So the, the network has a lot of stuff. It's just one of those things that there are caveats with it. Yeah. It's, it's good and bad. I, I think the content on the network is really solid. I, I, I will say real quick, you know, we haven't heard the English feed because they were having some issues with that before the show, but the issues were clearly communicated that, you know, there will be a delay on the English commentary feed. I thought they handled that exceptionally well. And in terms of streaming, I I never have any issues watching the show live. The, if you watch the show within the specific time frame, you know, the show is archived as soon as it ends. It, it's all very... Uh, efficient to watch just in a finite amount of time which is i i know a drawback for some people but in terms of watching the stuff it's always a good experience absolutely i mean i was able to now do airplay from my ipad to my tv boy that was uh, as soon as i got that figured out, i was like oh all my problems are answered now the, the network works perfectly that way but it, it it's a it's an interesting service it's a complicated service we do if you tweet at us at open voice if you have questions we'll, we'll try to help you out there as well as we can uh okay so do you have any anything else you want to hit on before we get out of here no next week we're going to talk about sambo hall I, I i'm gonna say this on air i think to put pressure on mike but i'd like to do best ofs next week as well that was what i was going to bring up for stuff we're doing yeah yeah, yeah. well time. let's do let's yeah. do best ofs then uh yeah i had a lot of people reach out and say nice things about my final gate review over at voice of wrestling.com. I really appreciate that, that, uh, I felt good when I, when I sent that in, that was, that was a good review, at least in my opinion, it felt good. So check that out there, a full written review with some, some topics we didn't discuss in depth on the podcast, uh, but a full review of final gate there and pretty much every big dragon gate show from the past five years. 
And then uh, really going back to 2013, because Joe Lanza was handling the coverage at that point. So we're closing in on a decade of world-class Dragon Gate coverage there. I, I saw an uptick, and at least I don't know about the Open the Voice Get account, but at least in terms of my Twitter followers, I had a big uptick this weekend. Uh, I'm on Twitter at underscore in your case. Uh, Mike is on Twitter at Fujiheya, like Don Fuji with two eyes. And if you want to get in touch with us, you'll ask Dragon Gate questions, ask especially network navigation questions, or on Twitter at Open Voicegate. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's all I could think about. Yeah, be sure to check out Case's review. I always, it, it's something that, because I watch very few shows live, and when I know Case puts up a review, I make sure I watch the show before I read Case's review. He's that good of a writer. So be sure to check that out. But for Case, I'm Mike, and we'll catch you on next time Open the Voice Gate. Take care, everyone.